Hello, Hillside! Welcome to church! We are so glad you're here with us worshiping this morning. We got TJ in the house leading us in worship. You know, all over the Bay Area this week, people were singing, Who can stop CMC? Who can stop Christian McCaffrey? We got him on the Niners. And isn't it amazing that we get to get, hey, you, you got to stay up to date with all the current events. <laughs> but we get to gather on Sunday mornings and sing, who can stop the Lord Almighty? Resurrection, power over death and sin. That is our God. He doesn't get injured like Christian McCaffrey does. He is forever and always. And oh my goodness, let's continue worshiping. We're so glad you're here with us. If you weren't awake before, you are now. I love it. That's the way to start. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, oh, it's such a joy and a pleasure and a privilege and an honor to be in your presence, God. God, I know as we come through the doors this morning, each of us has something different on our heart, something different on our mind, God. And I just pray that you would help us to release whatever it is that we may be carrying that would distract us from just feeling and connecting with your presence here in this place, God. We know you're here with us. And we're here to fellowship with each other, but most importantly, God, to connect and commune with you, to sing your praises this morning, God. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. You're rich in love. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your holy name. Come, 
Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand and forevermore. We sing, bless the Lord, bless the and praise to God for all that he's doing in our lives, for all that he's done in our lives, for all that we have to look forward to that is to come. I cast my mind. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree, his body bound, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. On the third, then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trampled death, where is your steed? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, praise the name. In robes of white, the blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Let's sing it like we believe that. Oh, praise the name. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, 
Stephen Weisong, the director of student ministries here at Hillside. And what do you call a guy with a lot of announcements? <laughs> Stephen Weisong! You, you got it, so buckle up. We have a lot of fantastic things going on here at Hillside that we want to share with you. And so just you can get involved with the life of things happening at our church. The first thing is a couple weeks ago, we did a chili cook-off. Uh, wasn't that good of a chili? Was it, was it good? Okay, yes. We did a chili cook-off. It was a fantastic time. I was actually in Ireland, uh, and we were having Irish stew. Thinking of all of you having chili here. Uh, kind of the same thing. But we had a great time, and it's all thanks in part to our anti-trafficking team here at Hillside. So let's give them a round of applause. They put on this event. Part of the event was able to be pulled off because we had amazing cooks cooking up their chili. And our winners, I have all my little notes here today, so I want to make sure. Our winners are Reward, Eric, and Katie. They, yeah, yeah. They have the best chili in Hillside. Our judges were Carol, Bruce, and Mary. They have the best taste buds in all of Hillside. And it was all to support a ministry called Love Never Fails. And we raised for Love Never Fails. Are you ready for this? We raised $3,037. Wow. We really showed up as a church to help Love Never Fails and people stuck in trafficking to get out of trafficking. So that is awesome. That's one of the amazing things we did this fall, the chili cook-off. Okay. Coming up after the service today, we have our annual meeting. And I, oh, if you love budgets and minutes and calls of order, this is for you. And, and I'm looking at him right here, the chair of our church, Frank Canova. He's here. He really wants to see you there if you are a member of Hillside. We need a quorum, so we need about 10% of our membership to be gathered here to help approve the budget, approve new council members. It's going to be uh, just a good time in the life of our church to go forward as a church. So annual meeting right after the service today. Next up, we have our Restore fundraiser. So can you believe it? There's a ministry called Restore. It helps people get out of addiction. Hillside and Restore have been partnered together for 10 years. 10 years we've been helping support Restore. So on October 28th, Restore is hosting their annual fundraiser, and I believe it's, is it happening here? It's happening here at Hillside, and so the evening will be packed full of inspiring and exciting testimonials and a delicious buffet dinner. When you hear buffet, don't you hear a challenge? You, are you challenging me to see how much I can eat? I, that's what I hear whenever, whenever I hear buffet. Okay, game on. So the doors open October 28th. The doors open at 5.30. We hope to see you here to support our continued uh, ongoing relationship with Restore. All right, next up, here we go. We have the Dominican Republic lunch. 
And uh, we have the pastor, Ernesto, and his wife, Altagracia. They are going to be here visiting us. And this lunch, uh, I don't see the date in here. What, let me make sure. It's Sunday. It's Sunday, the October 30th. That's the date. It's next Sunday. They're going to be here. And the lunch isn't for people just planning to go to the DR on the mission trip. It's for everyone within the congregation to get to know our Dominican Republic friends and to just spend time together with them and building up that relationship. So next Sunday, we invite you to join us for that lunch. Also that Sunday, we've got lots of amazing things happening. That Sunday, we are also doing trunk or treat. Who signed up a car already? Oh, lots of enthusiasm. You get to dress up in costumes. Don't you want to be excited about that? I will tell you secretly, I always look forward to what Randy Fishback and his family, I, I look forward to what they're going to do and that with their trunk and their costumes. It is going to be fun. 3 to 5 p.m. here in the Hillside parking lot, we are inviting kids, families, all throughout the Parkmead community and our Walnut Creek area to just come and be part of a fun, safe time where they can get some free candy, maybe meet some new people and dress up in costume. <laughs> That'll be great. Okay, next up, we, I want to recap. Last Sunday, we did a bake sale for students planning on going to the fall retreats happening at Mission Springs in November. And Hillside, we really show up with generosity when we do these things. So, for, yeah, you, I didn't even tell you the money amount, but generosity, yes. Hillside, we raised to help students get to our fall retreats to experience God in Mission Springs of all places. You showed up to help raise $1,271 with a bake sale. Well, you didn't let me, you didn't let me say the best part is we had a matching donor match the $1,270. You see, I like to add the dramatic flair. <laughs> Who, who's making the slides around here? You're stealing my thunder. But <laughs> I like to add those things. Okay, anyways, we've got our fall retreats coming up. Uh, uh, November 4th through the 6th is high school. November 11th through the 13th is the, uh, for middle school, and it's with all different PSWC Covenant churches from all over California that gather together. So there's going to be about 200 students at Mission Springs worshiping and experiencing God, building relationships. Yes, it's going to be a great time. If you have a student that wants to go, sign them up. We would love to have them. Next, coming up on Sunday, November 6th, we are doing a baptism information meeting. So if you are a believer of Jesus, but you haven't been baptized yet, and you want to learn more about what that means, we invite you to stick around on Sunday, November 6th with Pastor Dan to find out more about baptism. I like to say that baptism, it is an outward sign of inward transformation, and that's really what baptism is is all about. And so we invite you to be part of that. And uh, last but not least, we have our respite day coming up. And respite, uh, respite days here at Hillside are for parents or guardians who take care of kids with special needs. It's going to be happening on Saturday, November 5th. And the respite team has said they just need more volunteers. They have uh, let me make sure they have 18 children signed up, but they only have about 12 volunteers, and they need about 18. Or, or they're, they're saying they need about 18 more volunteers to sign up. I think I'm getting this right. Am I getting that right, Ed? 10 more. Okay, 10 more volunteers. So if you're free on that Saturday, you want to help a parent or a guardian have an afternoon off to just go catch a movie or relax, and then you get to hang out and take care of a kid, show them the love of Jesus, we would love for you to sign up for that. And there you go. <laughs> Those were our <laughs> announcements here. Church life happening here at Hillside. At this point, I'm going to invite our ushers forward. We're going to move into our morning offering. And we just encourage you to give to Hillside because you're not just giving to Hillside. You're giving through Hillside for us to advance our mission of being light in the world. So I'm just going to pray for our offering, and we will continue on in worship. 
Lord, thank you so much for all of the good gifts you give us. Lord, as we come into this time of worship, of offering, it's just a time for us to give back to you. Lord, may we be cheerful and generous givers, entrusting that the money that we give to Hillside is going to advance our mission of being light in the world to people in need of a Savior. Jesus, you are that Savior. You gave it all for us. And so, God, we just give back to you in thanksgiving and gratefulness for who you are and what you've done. So, God, bless us as we give, and in your awesome, awesome name, amen. Dave. Uh, uh, Dave Nystrom is my name. Uh, and um, yeah, how do I describe myself? Um, I'm a professor uh, at Western Seminary. And you're already thinking, okay, this is a good time waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a specialist primarily in New Testament, but I also. Um, have published in Roman history and uh, church history and uh, first century Judaism. I'm totally fun to be around. <laughs> and, uh, but I, uh, I, feel, uh, I feel like this is uh, like, like you're my cousins and I get to just walk in and open the refrigerator without asking. So, uh, so I, uh, uh, anyway, just happy to be here. And uh, our text today, that was a wonderful transition. Our text today is uh, Luke 15. So I think there's maybe, yeah. Is there, a t is there a slide earlier than that? Before that? No, there's not. Okay. So is it time of, pro oh, I guess there is one, yeah. As, as the time of, okay. I don't have ADD, but I might now. So, um, 
Next slide. Uh, so uh, we're looking at, 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 at Luke 15, but here I'm pointing to Luke 9. As the time approached for him to take, be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So I don't know if you, this, this is so curious. So here it is in the end of chapter 9, and he's starting the trek toward the last week of his life. So a huge chunk of the Gospel of Luke is what's going on on that way. Next slide. Yeah, he set his face toward Jerusalem. So he didn't go there accidentally. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen in spite of what he was planning. He goes there on purpose. He knows what's going to happen, and he sets his face towards it. Next slide. So that's at the end of chapter 9. So the entry's in chapter 19. So tons of what we know about Jesus takes place on his way to Jerusalem, just days before the crucifixion. That, that's really striking to me. Uh, he knows the whole time what, what, the, what, his, uh, what his destiny is. He knows what's awaiting him. And he, he sets his face for it. Next slide. Now, when the tax, so this is verse, uh, chapter 15. Now, when the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear, uh, uh, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. So, so chapter 15 is three parables. That's it. So the title of my sermon is Three Parables. I'm not very good with titles. <laughs> Uh, so the, the first thing the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave for the 99 of the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. Because I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Next slide. Well, that's pretty typical. This is the typical pattern. Jesus' interlocutors, his, the people who are questioning him, that wonder uh, what his authority is, they ask questions like this. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Next slide. Well, that's a what should we do question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Do we do this or that? That's not a very deep question. It's just a what do we do question. Next slide. So they're operating on a on a way of thinking about life, about how we be true to God, how we interact with one another, on two rather superficial levels, actions and rules. And we all know uh, that dynamic. My wife, Christine, and I have been married for 40 years, uh, just a month and a half ago. But 39 years ago, right about now, I got pulled over by the Nevada State Police at around two in the morning. And a very polite state trooper said to me, Mr. Nystrom, you cannot drive 100 miles an hour across Nevada. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> I still want to. <laughs> so the rule didn't change my desire. Actions are based, on, are based on rules. Next slide. But Jesus' answer was, pay to Caesar what is his and to God what is his. Next slide. Well, that's a, how am I supposed to think about that answer? Because <laughs> some things do belong to Caesar, but all things belong to God. So how are we going to get to the bottom of that? So it is here that Jesus introduces what we might call moral reasoning. How ought we to think about our lives? As believers, we have the spirit of the living God dwelling within us. 
We follow a king, and yet we also have responsibilities to this world. How are we to reason through that? Because it ain't as simple as just actions and rules. Next slide. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Have your brain engaged, but have your heart engaged. And have, be, be, be ready to do hard work. Next slide. So this is moral reasoning. Next slide. So Lincoln is a great example of moral reasoning. Next slide. So in 1854, Lincoln, the presidential candidate, debated the famous Senator Stephen Douglas. And Douglas was way more famous than Lincoln at this point. Way more famous. Uh, and uh, this was on the matter of the repeal of the Missouri Compromise. You may remember from fifth grade, U.S. history. Was it fifth grade? Okay, none of us know, so I can say fifth grade. Um, <laughs> so fifth grade, U.S. history, uh, uh, and, and the Missouri Compromise of 1820 allowed Missouri into the Union as a state in which slavery was legal and established Maine as a state in which slavery was not allowed but further provided that no future state north of this parallel, 3630 parallel, could allow slavery. But Douglas said, you know, we ought to repeal that. We ought to let, we ought to let the people who are coming into Kansas and Nebraska decide. And he said, why? Because that's a good American principle, popular sovereignty. Let the people decide. Next slide. Next slide. But Lincoln held a different view. Next slide. He said, wow, to let slavery into Kansas violates an even deeper principle, the essential dignity of every human being. So this is precisely how Jesus taught, how he argued, how he interacted with people in his parables. Next slide. So back to the text, Acts 15. Next slide. Now the taxpayers and sinners were all gathering around Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with, eats with them. And then Jesus told him this parable. Hey, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses just one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So what is this parable trying to teach us to get us to think about? Pardon? The value of one sheep. Yeah, the, the value of every single sheep. Just look around the room at the other sheep. Every, everyone in this room, everyone not in this room, is, is of inestimable value. What else, what else is this parable trying to teach? To get us to think about, to think more deeply. What are the principles that... That, are, that undergird, not simply rules and actions and rules, but what are the, what are the grounding principles that are revealed here, do you think? The time to be reckless. The time to be reckless. Uh, tell me about reckless. Yeah. So they're out in the open. That's exactly right. He doesn't protect them, doesn't put them in the safe deposit box or something. So there's a risk. God engages in risk. He doesn't keep all the sheep inside a pen and throw uh, chemically-based food at them. He lets them free, but he, but he takes risk out of love. What else? He rejoices. Yeah. 
he experiences tremendous joy, not just mild happiness. Like when I find candy from the previous Halloween in the bottom of my drawer. <laughs> that causes happiness for me. Yeah. Discovering a new kind of ice cream. I found cookies and coffee uh, two weeks ago. I'm thinking about it right now. But, but, but that's transitory. This is much deeper. The joy, because of, 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 of the destiny of human beings is involved. So, a couple of conclusions. Number one, we all get lost. I've been lost a little bit and a lot. And part of the deal of being lost is you don't realize you're lost right away. Right? Takes you a little while to figure out you're lost. We all need help. We all get lost. God experiences joy. And maybe, maybe, we ought to quit hiding. We all have patterns that end up getting us lost. And maybe if you think about it a little bit, you, you can identify a couple of yours. We know it's going outside the line. God rejoices when we come home when he brings us home. Next parable. Next slide. Next slide. Yeah, next slide. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And, and the word for repent, the, the Greek is metanoia, and it doesn't mean feel sorry. It means to stop, turn around, and go back the other direction, go in the right direction. So it's not merely re regret or remorse. It's more than just the feeling. It's the action. So what do you see? What strikes you here? What is, what is Jesus trying to get his, his, the people listening to him, his interlocutors, to think about, to, to realize, to think more deeply about, and to come to understand? How important we are to God, once again. So all this stuff about these people aren't living right, so they're, they're cursed, you know, doesn't, doesn't in, for one iota, one tiny sliver of meaning, diminish how valuable they are in God's eyes. So what are we doing <laughs> making judgments that God doesn't make? God has his loving eye on everybody. God has his loving eye on everybody, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, he has his loving eye on everybody. Yeah, we're worth looking for. That's a great way to put it. Because I've known people who didn't think they were worth it. Who, for whatever reason, they'd just been crushed by life and they thought they were beyond the pale. And there ain't nobody who's that far lost. Every person we encounter is made in the image of God. Let's get that into our heads and into our hearts. What else do you see in this parable of the lost coin? Maybe back up a slide, although it's a pretty famous parable. Yeah. Yeah. Heaven rejoice. Again, there's this party thing. One, one person, a coin found. Yeah. She's not, it's not just a private joy. It's explosive. I think if my neighbor called me and said, hey, I found my lost, my lost can of powdered sink cleaner, you know, I think I'd say, that's great, you know, woo. <laughs> but but ah, this is just explosive. That tells you how the worth of you and, and of everyone we encounter to God. Yep. Um, 
Um, Of increasing worth? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we don't know. I mean, the silver coin, most coins were not silver, so that'd be, that'd be expensive. Most coins were, were, they could be bronze, something like that. And in the ancient world, in the Roman world, it's, it's, so, it's a little hard to get our, uh, I mean, they didn't have what we call a middle class. So there, I, I think we could say, the bottom, their version of the bottom of our middle class, below that was about 98.9% of the population. Did, it, did you get that math in your head? I mean, this is like an incredibly, that means, that means really 1% of the population was, middle, was our idea of middle class and above. So most people might not ever even see a silver coin. Obviously, it depends on, you know, on, lo on local scales of economy, but I think that, that would be true. Yeah, the, the, the effort, the seeking. Yeah. So isn't it true that, that, that sometimes we feel like God has left us? People express that. And yet these parables suggest, no, God is searching. You know, Augustine in his, uh, in his it's, call, it's often translated the confessions. It might be better called the testimony, my, uh, my, the story of my life. He talks about a period in his life when he, when he and his buddies were far from God, but he says, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, uh, the Latin is beautiful, uh, the English is, but God followed close after his fugitives. We are being fugitives. We're running away. We don't even notice what we're being, but God is right there. Even though we think he's, we, we, we've escaped but his presence is right there, and he's, but he's also waiting until we're ready. <laughs> you know, we, maybe we have to get rock bottom or whatever it is. But he's not absent. We're just not paying attention. God is so much richer than the examples he gives, and yet he still rejoices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, God, yeah. That his care and concern for us is, is more than, than us for ourselves. So repent again. That's part of the message here. Repent again. Um, there's something about, about sin uh, and its sources here. Now, uh, uh, the New Testament view, articulated really quite clearly by Paul, um, is that sin uh, comes from three sources. Number one, Satan and his minions. Number two, and uh, it's our own, this is, Paul puts it this way, our own evil inclination. The Aramaic, the, the, the Yetzer Ha-Ra. So we have within us, do you remember, um, uh, like, Roadrunner cartoon? Remember the Roadrunner cartoon? And, and there's, sometimes there's like, a, like a, a, an angel you know, Yosemite Sam and a devil Yosemite Sam. That, that's basically the idea. So that within us, we have the fallen person. After, after uh, you know, Adam and Eve's sin, we are, biblically, we, are, we live a less than human life. True humanity is what Adam and Eve had before the fall. We live a less than human life. That's why Paul says Jesus is the second Adam. He is Adam as Adam should have been. So he lowered himself to that, to that place, a place that we've lost. So in this, in this less than truly human position, we have within us a desire, just even spasmodic, to do nice things, good things that are, that are godly. We also have one that's the other way. So there's there's Satan who's tempting us. There's our own whacked out evil inclination that's tempting us. But there's also the world, the allure of culture. 
And you know, the world um, sometimes chooses godly pathways, but it's untrustworthy. It's tricksy, because it, it's, it's got its own destiny. So um, there, are those, there are those three sources. And so this is a parable about, uh, about how we get lost, but it's also just recognizing stuff gets lost. We get lost, people get lost. But God's looking for us. So the sheep quit hiding. Coin, the coins put itself somewhere nobody, nobody knows. We put ourselves places that are in the dark, under a mat. Next slide. So this is the um, longest parable. Jesus continued, there was, a, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, uh, give me my share of the estate. Right now, even before you die, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between his two sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set out for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in a wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. So uh, that, that word is, um, in the Greek, it's, it's a verb splang gizomai, which means you're moved in your guts. So it's not just a mental thing. We've all had that, exp that feeling of just being, it's like our whole body is reacting with, with compassion and love. So he was, uh, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother, not Mr. Happy about this, <laughs> became angry and refused to go in. <laughs> you can just see that, like, like petulance personified. His father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Next slide. My son, the father said, You were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. What do you see? It's a pretty, I mean, we all know that story. It's so familiar that we sometimes don't, I don't know, just washes over us like a commercial that we've heard a hundred times. Unconditional love. Yeah. Don't play the comparison game. Yeah, and one of the reasons why is 
Well, the comparison game once again puts you in the position of the most important thing. <laughs> so learn how to escape that. It, 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 it's going it's gonna to it's gonna lead you to a, to a better spot. Next slide. I'm sorry. There is no next slide. What else do you see? I'm sorry. What, uh, yeah, there was, yeah, instantly forgiven. There's no catch. There's no. Here is a you know. Here's a repayment plan. This is just just a, just a, just a powerful love of the Father, who also didn't go looking for him. Waited for him. I mean, you know, he he. Sometimes people have to hit rock bottom before they're able to understand it. But never stop being on the lookout. lookout. Exactly. So why doesn't the father say to the son, I forgive you? That's not even said. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you, yeah, that's true. Why do you, um, anybody have an answer for that? Yeah. 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 I, I, so I, th- I, I would say that it is, it is, it is assumed because of the extravagance, and that it would be obvious to everybody. I know it's cliche, but let our hearts be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Yeah. That's a pretty human, that's a very human response. Though. I mean, we, 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 it's, we have a hard time escaping the gravitational pull of our own selves. Yeah, once again, it's actions and rules. And if you go, if you're just, if you only go, if that's as deep as you get, then, it, then it's just about, then it's just about law. You know, the great Stephen Carter, um, professor of law at Yale University, um, believer, <coughs> uh, Stanford PhD. Um, uh, I heard him speak one time, uh, and he said, I'm going to define law for you, and I got a headache immediately. Um, <laughs> But what he said was really simply said, law does only two things. It makes you do what you don't want to do and keeps you from doing what you want to do. It can't change your desire. So that's, yeah, that's that. Um, Well, if you're just thinking legalistically, then you are, you are the black hole at the center of you, of your universe. And how do we escape that? Because I mean, if you think about it, the current culture says you deserve whatever you want and you deserve it right now. And we've all become addicted to that, right? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I really don't like the idea of Amazon, but that's where I go all the time. Because it, I can get it. I don't have... I, I, it, it, our, 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 everything about our current culture says you are the most important person. But let's take that a little further. If you go pretty far down that road, then you are the only person who matters. And then we're all named Karen. <laughs> so we, we live in a, in a dangerous environment, I think. So the younger son is brazen. Give me my share now. Holy smoke. <laughs> But maybe you've been like that at some point in your life. And there's confusion. We want the wrong things. The spasmodic part of us that wants stuff that's often the wrong thing. And I'm thinking about that 
coffee, cookie, ice cream right now, which is the wrong thing. You know, um, there's a, a, a brilliant little book by Rabbi, a guy named Rabbi, uh, Joseph Soloveitchik called Lonely Man of Faith, in which he talks about the first creation story, Genesis 1 and 2, um, which is about uh, the orderly one, which ends in the creation of human beings, and says, um, that's about, that's Adam 1, and Adam being human, all of us, the builder, the creator, what we do. But the second story, which isn't, it's a second story, but it's telling the same story, but from a different angle, is about relationships and character. And both of those are at work in our lives. And the text is, in effect, asking us to be thoughtful about those two aspects. And then the next thing is Cain, who kills his brother and then builds a city. And he hopes for no more than he can see. His eyes are never lifted up. It's only about Adam one, me, what I create, what, what is about me as the center of the universe. So we need both, but in balance, in the right balance. And the younger brother is looking at pig food saying, that looks pretty good. Anybody here spend any time with pigs? You ever been on a farm at all? A couple of us. Yeah, I, I, my uncles were farmers, and I have, a, I have some experience with pigs. They had 30,000 turkeys when I was a kid. That's exciting. And uh, I've, I've, seen, I've seen pigs, seen them eat. And the younger brother thinks that pig food looks pretty good. That's how low we can get. Sometimes we need to hit rock bottom to wake up. And he leaves everything in the far country. It's called the prodigal son, but I think one of the big messages of that parable is he doesn't bring anything from the far country back with him. He says, wow, that whole pattern of life that I was in, that's what got me into trouble. I got to come totally clean. How often do we bring something from the far country with us? And then, as many of you have said, it's the utter unmitigated joy of the Father. That's how God views you. That's how he views me. Everyone we meet. Next slide. Yeah, son leaves everything. He abandons his former way. So the, the depth of sin, the realization that it has such a tremendous hold on us. Next slide. Yeah, so Augustine put it this way. Be careful what you love, for you become subject to the things you love. And subjects cannot judge. Next slide. Yeah, honestly, I can say I'm no longer worthy. Next slide. Yeah, the older brother's concerned about, next slide, stuff. It's not about stuff. There's a guy named Tim Jackson. He's a professor of sustained development or sustainable development at the University of Surrey. I don't believe he's a Christian. But about 10 years ago, he wrote a book called Prosperity Without Growth. And he asked a couple of questions. Why is it that the only measure we have for prosperity is GDP? And why is it that with so much stuff, we're still so unhappy? Not a Christian, that I can tell. Wow, it's just so interesting. Next slide. So what do we say? Next slide. Well, guess what? We're lost. We should just quit hiding. <laughs> Pay attention to the one who's seeking us. Lord, I'm here. Save me. Bring me home. Next slide. You're the lost coin. 
you're a treasure. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you are a treasure in the sight of God. Don't fear. God is searching for you. Next slide. Yeah, abandon the far country and accept acceptance. Next slide. I guess that's it. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for your love for us. A love that's boundless and powerful, and yet we are often so inattentive, so focused on something else, we don't hear it or see it. But Lord, um, may we hit rock bottom like the prodigal. Because you are looking. Let us be found. And Lord, help us to be your agents in the rescue of others who were lost. These things we pray, and all God's people said. Messages that get you to think. There are messages that get you to ask questions. And then there are messages that get you to change. They just change the way you think. They change the way you look at things. That's one of those messages for me. It's one of those messages that's going to stick with me for a long time. And, uh, you know, we live in an era right now where you know, mental health is an issue, self-esteem is an issue, um, you know, a lot of different things going on, and it seems like everyone I know is struggling in some way, and it's easy to forget how valuable we are, how God sees us, how important we are to God, and how important we need to be to ourselves. So my prayer is that each of us remembers how important we are to God. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing our closing song today. I hear the Savior say, I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as i 
crimson stain he washed it white as snow sin had left sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow he washed it white as snow he washed it white as snow Sing, oh, praise the one. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up. Sing it out. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. more time let's sing Jesus paid it all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow well we're about to have the benediction but um First, I need to say that after the service, there'll be folks up here, uh, if you would like to have someone pray with you and pray for you. Secondly, the annual meeting uh, will take place shortly. So, um, re retire, is that the right word? Retire to the lobby. There may be ice cream, I don't know. But, uh, but retire to the lobby, but don't stay there too long. Uh, and, then, and then come back in. So um, now for, for the benediction. No matter what you have done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how far you feel from God, the God who made you loves you and is searching for you. You are a treasure in his sight. And may that vision inform how you see one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.